0: Hey everyone, this is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Welcome to the EuroK Mental Fitness Studio. I would like to thank our sponsors, Ned Siegfried, Luke Peterson and Todd Bradford with Siegfried and Jensen, Mark Richards with Wasatch Recovery, Colby and Mackenzie with Thread Wallets, Drew Peterson with First Digital, Greg Jackson with Mountain West Spine and Orthopedics, and Travis Whitaker, the owner of Living Recovery Interventions. And also, I'd like to give a shout out to Paul Cardall. The music that you hear at the beginning and the ending of these episodes is by Paul Cardall. He's an amazing person, and he's been one of my heroes for years. So thanks to all my sponsors and Paul Cardall for believing in me. I love you guys so much. Please enjoy this next episode. Today, um, we're joined with Dave Dorcher from The Other Side Academy. Dave, good friend of mine. I consider you a really good friend. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you, Todd. I feel the same way.
0: Seriously. Yeah. Um, what's the official title at uh, The Other Side Academy? Is it the e- executive director?
1: Yeah, the executive that... director with The Other Side Academy. Yeah.
0: And you've been there for how many years now?
1: Um, since its inception, uh, August of
0: 2015. Wow. Man, it's, that's, yeah. it's crazy how fast time goes, I mean, you've Mm -hmm. been in the trenches since day one, Mm -hmm. before there was even one student. Mm -hmm. How many do you have now?
1: I've got 103 students living on property, 23 staff living on property, and about 15 graduates that are still living on property. So about 140 people living uh, on property currently at the Salt Lake facility. Wow.
0: Wow. Well, we're going to talk more about that. And and for those of you who don't know Dave, let me give you a little background on him. And, and you know, I came across this and I thought, wow, what a better way to say it. Uh, um, You were arrested for the first time at the age of 13. Think about that. I was playing with my GI Joe, I think at that time. I don't know. Um, It took me so long. (laughs) um, By the time you were 38, you had been in prison four times, a total of 15 years. Um, And, you know, and since then, you, um, you checked into Delancey Street in Los Angeles. You were facing 29 year prison sentence, um, and you were there. You ended up staying at Delancey Street because of Judge Pacheco. Uh-huh. Did I say that right, Judge Pacheco. Yeah, and uh, you ended up staying there for eight years. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, making sure I have that right. Uh, you, you know, Dave devotes his life now to creating a place where most people who are lost among us come to learn about integrity, honesty, hard work, self-respect, full body transformation or full, how do you say it?
1: Whole person change.
0: Whole person change. We're gonna talk about what that means. I want my listeners to get what that means. You've done a TED Talk, you go around the world speaking. Um, I think you said even in your TED Talk you used to take lives, now you're saving lives, you're tipping the scales, you did all these horrible things when you were younger and, and obviously as you were older, but now you're tipping the scales and doing all this good stuff, and mm-hmm. you you truly have that you know, whole person change. Um, he, um, for those of you who don't know, he we allow Dave to come here to Wasatch Recovery and come light him up, give him a haircut, as Dave would say. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you've I think it's well over ten times now that you've been here. And without fail I mean there's you were just here a little while was it last week uh, yeah yeah it was right. last week and they're still talking about you going man he said this he said that you caused a lot of people to get like you know like I have clients coming in I don't I don't I don't agree with what he said here and I'm gonna go tell me where he's wrong and, and help me out here tell me yeah. where he's wrong yeah. and as we get talking it through they're like was he wrong maybe you maybe you didn't like it in the moment but was he wrong yeah and eventually they go no he was and I said okay take the feedback mm-hmm. so anyway for those that don't know we haven't come here it's awesome and we love having you Dave and I am just I'm grateful to have you in my life
1: you know it's funny well thank you Todd I'm grateful to have yeah. you in my life too and anytime you call and ask me to come do that I I'm I'm Johnny on the spot you know I, always I want to be here and I want to mm-hmm. make a difference and I want to help you and I want to help them and it's good for me I think it's a win-win across the board yeah and I think as we continue on with the our talk today I think the that whole person change I think gets overlooked a lot. I think we're so concerned with getting people clean and sober that we forget how to keep them clean and sober. And for me, that whole person change is critical. And you know, we can get more into that as we continue yes, to talk, yeah. but that's a big, big piece for me.
0: Yeah, I, I love that because you really point out um, very well when you're talking about it's not, how many of you have been clean and sober and everyone raises their hand before and you know, and how, how, many, times, how, how many times have you been sober? You know, has it been 10 times, 20 times? You, you know, and back and forth, it's not about that. Mm-hmm. You keep going back to it, but you think, oh, I just got to get sober and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. No, it's that whole person change that yeah. you talk about. So why don't we just get right into that? What does that look like? And talk tell our listeners, what were you doing? Why, why did you need the whole person change? Oh, gosh, the reason I know. why
1: I needed the whole person change is, you know, I was a drug addict for over 27 years, and I was a hardcore drug addict. I didn't smoke pot occasionally and, you know, do a little Coke. I did a lot of Coke, you know, and then ended up doing meth, and it destroyed my life. But drugs didn't. My decision-making did. And throughout all of that, I just became a liar. I would lie when the truth would work. I was a cheater. I was a manipulator. I was self-centered. I was self-seeking. I was violent emotionally. I was violent verbally. I was violent physically. I had... I had become all of those things, and most people today are afraid to say that. Oh, you can't say it; it's not politically correct. I'm sorry, the way I was living wasn't politically correct. Right, right. I mean, yeah, I was all totally. those. I didn't go to yeah. jail for singing too loud in the church choir. <laughs> I was. I had become. I was slowly becoming an animal. I needed to be put in a cage right? That was the best thing they could have done. And it saved my life and probably others. If I told everybody everything I did, you know what I mean? They'd probably come back and arrest me for the stuff I got away with. So we'll leave that part out. But that's who I'd become. And if we don't address that stuff and we want to skim over it because we don't want to hurt my feelings, well, then I never would have changed. You know, So for me, if I just was trying to get clean and sober, every time I went to jail, guess what I was? clean and sober. The day I got out, I went to Flacco's house and picked up (laughs) because getting clean and sober wasn't enough. And it isn't enough for a lot of people. You know, we're so focused on just clean and sober. But if you take a guy like me, a liar, a cheater, a thief, a manipulator, violent, and all the things I already articulated, and all I do is get clean and sober, as soon as I get out of that clean and sober environment, I'm going to use again because I haven't changed all the things that lead me back to using. Yeah. So giving me the opportunity to learn to be honest, to be accountable, to have integrity. And you know, a lot of people in the, in the recovery world, oh, that's not, yeah, yeah, it is true. Yes, it is. The reason yeah. why we see so many people relapse so often is because we make excuses for them. Todd, you've been clean and sober now for over 30 years. If you used again today or tomorrow, it isn't because your disease kicked in. It's because you got your feelings hurt. You got pissed off. You did not go to your circle of influence. You didn't talk it out. You acted it out. And you chose while you were clean and sober, you made a choice while you've been clean and sober for 30 years to use again, knowing what the consequences are. That's not a disease. That's a horrible decision, knowing what the consequences are. It's a choice. And that's truly what I believe. Now, I know there's a lot of, people out there that believe differently, and that's fine, then continue on that path. I hope it works for you. I really do. Yeah. But I think by and large, with our population, especially the population that I serve, you know, we have to be honest with them. They didn't, you know, my average student's been arrested over 25 times. It isn't because they got pulled out of the U for, you know, being a straight-A student in the science class. (laughs) You know, they were out there ripping and running and stealing stuff and manipulating and breaking into people's homes and their cars and writing bad credit, destroying people's lives you know, if we're so concerned about their feelings, how are we ever gonna tell them the truth in a way that will help them understand who they were?
0: Yeah, absolutely, very well said. Couldn't agree more. You know, that honesty piece is huge. You know, I would add to, yes, it was a decision if I go back to relapsing, and it it starts with me lying to myself. Mm -hmm. It starts with the lies, Mm -hmm. right? And I start lying that. So I really appreciate what you said there. I wanna talk about, you know, you went to Delancey Street for eight years. Obviously, when you went to Delancey Street in the beginning, you were still that quote-unquote animal type person when you got there. What humbled you? What what was it (coughs) that really started making you go, okay, I'm starting to see some change? Yeah,
1: you know, I was lucky to even go. You know, when an empathetic judge acquiesced finally and allowed Mm -hmm. me to go, they made me sign a deal for 22 years and plead guilty on the spot. And I got, had I got kicked out of Delancey Street or had I split, I'd still be in prison today, Todd. That was you know, nearly 7, 18 years ago. That kind
0: of blows my mind. It does. Because look at all the too. good you've been doing since yeah. you've been out, right?
1: Yeah, it blows mine too. But if anybody thinks a 30, 60, 90-day model was going to help me, whoever believes that, they need more help than I do. <laughs> you know, I needed something long-term. So when I got to Delancey Street, you know, not only was I a drug addict, but I was all the things I mentioned earlier, and here I am repeating it again. A liar, a thief, a cheat, a manipulator, drug dealer, gun runner, violent, taking the police on high-speed chases, having want and disregard for public safety, both in that chase and otherwise. I didn't care about anything. I tore the fabric of the community I was ripping and I was running and I was Mm -hmm. selling drugs that could have ended up in kids' hands. I was selling drugs to parents who could have dropped it in their home, like so many people do when the kids could find it. I didn't take any of those things into consideration. And we don't ever want to hold people accountable for those type things, the ancillary effects of the decisions that we're making. Right. They're horrible. People are dying because of it. Yeah. So when I got to Delancey Street, All the things I just mentioned, on top of the fact that I did all my time in California around Bloods and Crips and Sardinials and Nortanials, White Power, Skinheads, all of that. Now the prison politics come into play on top of everything else. So you can imagine who I was when I got to Delancey Street. I'm all the stuff I already mentioned and politically driven, uh, institutionally uh, uh, speaking.
0: Weren't you considered a a yard boss? Is that a I I had the keys
1: for a number of the terms on the yard, so it's what you call having the keys. Oh, okay. You know, a, a shot caller on the yard. Mm. And even that, in order to get that, see here's the problem, in order to become that, I had to put work in. What that means is when you're in jail or you're in prison, being willing to fight, riots go up in people's cells, uh, stab, cut people, all of those things on the inside, that's how you get all the political tattoos, you have to earn them, and then yeah. eventually you end up with the keys on the yard. But here's the problem with that. I drank my own Kool-Aid. Mm. I thought I'd become somebody think about and this is what people don't think about when they're when they're dealing with this population. Oh, it's not their fault. They just have trauma. And if we just address the trauma, no, that wasn't the fact. I had plenty of trauma. It was self-induced. I did it to myself, right? And I had to take responsibility for the decisions that I made. Not that trauma doesn't play a part. It does. I know. It's not what I'm saying. Right. But in this case I was drinking my own Kool-Aid and I thought I'd become something. How do you become anything in jail or prison there's no place lower you can go but six feet under i was at the bottom of the pool i was literally at the bottom of the pond right living with other right. criminals yeah. thieves manipulators violent people who had no regard for human safety or public safety or or humans at, at all we didn't care about anything i'm in jail in prison with gang members and really it's my opinion my opinion that if you are an active gang member, every active gang member belongs in prison. And I tell my, my students this all the time. If you are an active gang member, what do you bring to the community? Right. You don't work. You sell drugs. You rob drug dealers. You commit heinous crimes. You drive by houses and you put bullets in them. You're shooting people. We don't bring anything positive to the community. So what's the best place for us, prison or jail, until we raise our hands and say, I want out. I need help. Uh, if you, I mean, really, I want yeah. people listening to this, and, and I know it offends some people, especially if they are a gang member. We don't bring anything positive to the community.
0: And that's just so, being real.
1: So when I got to Delancey Street to, to answer your question, yeah, no, I appreciate. Um, I got called on those behaviors because I, I, when the day I got to Delancey Street, I was the Dave Rocher I thought I was. Yeah. You know what I mean? I thought yeah. I was about something, and here's the thing: man, did I have a reputation boy, did I have a reputation. When I got to the yard, Dave DeRocher's here, send me some soup, send me some coffee. You know, and they'd take care of me. When I'd get to the prison yard, boom, DeRocher's here. Then I'd get the keys to the yard. But let me ask you a question. How did I get that reputation? By doing the wrong thing. Exactly. I had no character. But if you'd have asked me then if I had character, oh, heck yeah. Boy, yeah. You, do you know what I stand for?
0: Yeah, look at the respect I have uh, from everybody. Watch. That's right. Yeah.
1: So when I got to Delancey Street, boy, they slapped me around verbally, right? They'd made me understand it, and they told me in a way that doctors, counselors, and therapists couldn't get through to me. Delancey Street was ran exclusively by ex-felons and ex-drug addicts, right? Just like the Other Side Academy is, and we tell each other in no uncertain terms, the truth. The truth. We yeah. don't sugarcoat anything. Yeah. We, I, and I needed people to tell me who I was and how I was acting and the mistakes I'd made and the decisions I'd made and the impact it had. You know, I don't know that a doctor, a counselor, a therapist could have got through to me. They never had in the past. Yeah. I needed Delancey Street to do it. So the way that Delancey Street worked was them telling me, uh, and sometimes in very colorful vernacular, who I was and how I was acting and the things that I needed to address and the things that I needed to fix. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so, you know, as you're there, did you have? I mean, I know this. I, I think I already know the answer to this, but did you have moments where you were like, "I'm bouncing, I'm out of here," mm. or or were you were you bought into it most of the time? Or I mean, what was that like? Because again, you know, you should have been in prison, yeah, for 29 years, yeah, but yet here you are in this. You could walk out the front door, yeah. How did you stay with it? I guess the
1: the fascinating thing is. Um, well, the 29 years, just to just to make the correction, came down to 22, 22 so right. my original offer was 29. After you know yeah. six months of fighting my case, it came down to 22, so that was the offer, whether I pled out or whatever, I went right. to trial, so that was my suspended sentence. But uh, to answer your question, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my Well, it was just
0: up. like, did you have moments of like, oh I'm, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. flee, I can't do this, I, these guys don't know what they're talking about?
1: Absolutely, it wasn't that they didn't know what they were talking about, it was very difficult to listen to feedback, very difficult, right? You know, I'm writing the letter from jail to go to Delancey Street. But make no mistake about it, I wasn't writing Delancey Street to change. I didn't even know what change was. Yeah, I was writing Delancey Street because <laughs> it's the only organization on the face of the planet that could get me out of my current situation. I'm looking at 22 years. The judge isn't going to send me to Happy House or you know Smiley House <laughs> or any of those houses. You know, right. any of those 30, 69. Only Delancey Street. So I wrote him to get out of jail. But then when I got there and I got what I asked for, now I have to stay. But make no mistake about it, I wanted to leave a thousand times in that first year. That 22-year prison sentence anchored me. I knew yeah. I couldn't leave, so it was really important. Or I wouldn't be here today. I didn't yeah. have the wherewithal, the, the intestinal fortitude to walk into Delancey Street in between my prison terms. Sure. I needed that, that, that sentence. So you had that
0: external thing mm-hmm. that was keeping you
1: there. Absolutely. When
0: did it go from external to internal?
1: Now oh, You ask good questions. At about a year and a half, it's about time there in Delancey is called Going to the Vatican. About a year and a half, some things happened in Delancey Street that reminded me of my old self. Mm. And some of the people who were in charge of me were laughing at me. Look at you. Look how mad you are, Dave. Could you imagine if you weren't here? Win, lose, or draw. You're going back to prison no matter what you look. Look how upset you are over something so small. They said it in well, a different way that I can't yeah. repeat right here sure, on the yeah, show. Right. <laughs> but I heard what they were saying, and I thought, you know what? I need to stay a third year. I knew I wasn't ready. Now understand, I could have graduated Delancey Street at two years. I would have beat a 22-year prison sentence. I could have washed my hands, walked away, and laughed. But I knew in my belly, only because I'd already been there for a year and a half, that I wasn't ready. I had learned enough. I had enough, in, uh, I had enough, uh, uh, what, what I refer to it as, uh, self-awareness to there know yeah. if I went back out right now I'm gonna fail again, so I asked to stay a third year. So being able to stay in a place like the Other Side Academy or yeah. Delancey Street yeah. as long as I need to, and not being asked to leave when the funding runs out, saved my life.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Very well said. Thank you for pointing that out. Because I see this all the time. Clients come in here to Wasatch, and they're here for external reasons. You know, family's pushing them to go to rehab. They got a DUI. Court's making them come. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and and if they stay in that realm, you're right. They come here for 30, 60, 90 days. They, they do go through the motions. Nothing's changed. They go right. out and they're blowing up their lives again. Right. I do see it when they can finally go from that external reason to the internal reason. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a, a good lead into that whole person change. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Because that's a very powerful way of saying something. It's not about being clean and sober. Yeah. It's about whole person change. What does that mean?
1: You know, I really believe, at least in my humble experience, and some might not think it's all that humble, but in my humble experience, and I've been doing this now for 40, we'll call it 38 years on the good side and the bad side, between being a drug addict and being, uh, and having my life back. Right. One thing that I can say for sure is drug addicts inherently, 100% of the time, we become liars, we're sneaky, we're lying to our families, we're spending the family money, we're stealing from people we know and don't know, we become all of these things. And then when we get clean and sober, we think that solves the problem. I don't think getting clean and sober solves the problem. I think if we don't stay in the mode of practice of doing the right thing every single day, really focusing on, man, I was a liar, I lied to my mom and dad, I lied to my wife, I've lied to my kids to their face, yes, I'm going to stop, I'm never going to do it again, right. while I had drugs in my pocket, uh, stealing from people I didn't know, breaking into people's homes, dealing drugs, as I mentioned earlier, to people whose kids are in the house, or or, or it could kill them. We just don't know these days, yeah. but I was doing all those things. If we don't address those behaviors and those that disregard for for human beings and the wellness of human beings, just getting clean and sober is not enough. So Delancey Street, The Other Side Academy, give us the opportunity to experience whole person change, to go someplace and get called on our behaviors by our peers. It's not a doctor, a counselor, or a therapist in a lab coat trying to fix the broken person. It is you and me sitting and having a conversation, Todd, and you telling me who I am and what I need to look at, what I need to fix, and how my behaviors are affecting other people, how they're affecting me, how they affect the community. That, I think, is what's lacking in many, many programs around yeah. the world. Right, And then staying in that mode of practice long enough for it to become who I am, not just what I do. It's so easy to go to a short-term program and do what's asked of you and then leave the same person that came in. Right. But if you can stay long enough, it's it's human nature. If you practice doing the right thing every day, you learn to do the right thing every day. Yeah, right. When I was a criminal, I practiced being a criminal. Man, I became (laughs) a good criminal. Uh, Pardon the phrase. I'm not sure there's such a thing. (laughs) But I became a more involved criminal, a deeper criminal. Absolutely. A more violent criminal. And it was a curve, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody, I don't think, will ever meet somebody who robs a bank who's First crime they ever committed was robbing a bank. Right. We started stealing $20 from mom and dad, and then we moved up that arc. There's a there's a there's a curve. Yeah. So change is the same way. Change takes time. Getting clean and sober is easy. They can put me in a gel cell, make sure I'm by myself. Two years I'm in a cell, no contact with the outside world. What am I? Clean and sober? Yep. The day I get out, I go straight back to pick up drugs because I haven't had a cognitive shift in how I think. I haven't been forced or inspired or coached or mentored to look at my behaviors and change them.
0: Wow. That's amazing. And and I think you I mean you said that well that whole person change. Do you find it that people they understand that when you say that. They go, "Oh yeah, I get that. I get that." But do you find that it's rare that someone's willing to put in the work to actually make that a reality? Cuz I
1: mean, that's not easy. It's not easy, but you know, we can, we can run facilities that have great outputs. Many, 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 many people going out of them, but not succeeding. Who cares? Where, matter of fact, I say it all the time, I oftentimes wonder if we're killing more people than we're helping. Or we can be extremely hard on people. These are adults, yeah. they're not kids. I needed people to be hard on me, and what I mean yeah. by hard on me is yeah. I needed people to be honest, and tell me the truth yeah and not sugarcoat stuff so i think it's really important that we have the opportunity to be in a mode of practice of doing that every day
0: yeah and more. a lot of
1: people they 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 go oh yeah yeah no i get it but then you have a lot of people out there now they're going oh no we just need to love them if you're not telling people the truth about their behaviors that's not love it's not it's not love Two things have to be present at the same time, simultaneously, to help inspire change. Love and truth. If all mm-hmm. we ever do is tell people the truth, and sometimes it can come across in a caustic way, yeah. but if all we do is do that, that could be construed as mean. Sure. But if all we do is love people unconditionally, that's permission to continue with the same behavior. Yeah. If they know, if my students or the people that you help know you love them, then you can tell them the truth. Yeah. And sometimes you have to tell them the truth in a way that stings. We're not children. We're adults, 30, 40, in some cases, 50 years old. Yeah. We know the difference between right and wrong. We were choosing wrong when we were doing it. But in today's world, we want to make excuses for adults too. Right. Oh, it's not their fault. That's a crime of necessity. They're drug addicts. They have to steal in order to stop. Right? We're killing people. Yeah. I knew what I was doing was wrong when I was doing it, and so does everybody else. Yeah. We choose to do it, just like we choose to ask for help.
0: Yep, I love that. I love when you ask the, the clients here or your students when you say, how many of you in here know right from wrong? Everyone raises their hand. What's preventing any of you from doing the right thing? Anything? And everyone's like, nothing. It's like, what's the problem then? Right. Like, And I, I love that because it simplifies it. Mm-hmm. I know what's right or wrong. I know if I went to the bar tonight and drank, that's wrong. Yep. I can justify it, I can minimize it, yep. I can rationalize it, but it's wrong. Yeah. And you're right, I would have to choose to do that. Mm-hmm. It's not something, there was not a disease that kicked in that made me go, oh, I'm gonna go have a drink. You know, I, yeah. I, I I can't withhold it. You know, I turn right. into this robot. No, it doesn't
1: work that way. I think that I love also how that, you say that. That we also, you know, you hear a lot, oh, they just made mistakes. We just made a lot of mistakes. We're not, you know, we don't we don't want to judge them on their mistakes. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I'm holding my phone right now for those who can't see it, but when I forget to set my alarm tonight and I wake mm-hmm. up late in the morning, that's a yeah. mistake. I forgot to set my alarm. Yeah. Todd, when you and I are driving down the street and we're having a spirited conversation and I accidentally blow the light because I'm not paying attention... That wasn't intentional, that's a mistake. When I make a conscious decision to deal drugs, to deal guns, to hurt people physically, when I make a conscious decision to do it, it's a calculated decision. I thought it through and decided to do it anyway. That's not a mistake. That's a conscious decision to do the wrong thing. When we can get people to own their lives in that manner, we can truly influence change. When we make excuses for Dave, Oh, gosh, Dave, you got molested when you were six. Yeah, he had a tough upbringing. Dave, your dad was yeah. mean to you. He was verbally violent. Now you've just, given me, you've just given me excuses for the rest of my life to pull that stuff forward and use it to continue with the same behavior. I'm not saying there isn't stuff in our past that helped shape us into right. the people we became, but we're not responsible for the deck we were dealt when we were children. We are responsible for reshuffling it as adults.
0: Wow, very well said yeah that and i and i love that because we if we keep perpetuating this kind of mentality like oh you know what they had a rough upbringing mm-hmm. right okay you're right rough upbringing but you still have the responsibility and mm-hmm. the wherewith and the the ability to make a change in your life i mean i look at my life i changed my life now i i, I didn't go to prison like you did but I should have. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look what I was it's doing. never I, too late. I was driving drunk. Yeah, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> never going there. Never, never. But it, it just, I, I don't know. It just amazes me that it's so, When we said it was hard, but it's simple. Mm-hmm. Like It's simple, these mm-hmm. concepts. The mm-hmm. whole person change. Be honest. Have integrity. Be accountable. Go out and help people. Make a difference in your community. Mm-hmm. That's simple. Mm-hmm. But yet, not always easy. Yeah. Being 100% accountable sometimes can be really hard. Yeah, absolutely. You know?
1: You know, I've got a friend. Can I share a story? Please. His name is Tommy Parker. I use his story all the time. Mm. Tommy Parker's in a wheelchair. He lives in Montana. He was in the military. He has no legs. On one of his hands, he has a toe from one of the, I, I believe it's a toe, or could it be a thumb from the other hand, or a finger from the other hand? Anyway, yeah. it's sewed onto his other yeah. hand so he can so pick he has, things up. Yeah. He What he remembers was landing. He remembers landing and looking down, and there was really nothing left, just tatters and blood and fragments. I mean, I know it's a a pretty ugly scene, but put yourself in that shoes, boom, you land. Your ears are ringing from the cassophony of the sound. He stepped on an IED. He came home, they built him a house, disabled vet, right? He started to feel sorry for himself, started using drugs and used drugs for many, many years started getting arrested and got arrested about 25 times before the judge finally said, Tommy, Mr. Parker, I'm done with you. If you don't get your shit together, if you don't get your life changed, Mm -hmm. I'm sending you to prison for a very long time. He changed his life. He just got married two weeks ago. He lives in Montana, and he came to to Salt Lake to do a presentation for my students, and I'll never forget it because we speak the same language. He said, I could not change my life until I owned my life. I used to blame the president I used to blame Afghanistan. I used to blame Iraq. I used to blame the military. I blamed everybody. But when I decided I joined the military, I joined that branch. Yeah. I joined that infantry. I took the step that blew my legs off. When I owned every part of my life, every decision I made, I was able to change. I truly believe that that is the recipe for success. We are so ingrained today yeah. to make excuses and just and if we can't make them we will we'll find them oh, well yeah. well well it's crazy what we do now right and then people don't have to take responsibility for their lives i truly believe that every single bad thing that ever happened in my life was my fault every good thing that ever happened in my life is my fault Granted, we have people around us. I wouldn't be sitting here with you now, Todd, right. if you and I weren't friends. Sure. You and I wouldn't be friends if I didn't go to Delancey Street, make that decision. Yeah. It all ties together. Yep. Every good thing that's ever happened is my fault because the circle of influence, every bad thing, circle of influence, those are decisions that I made.
0: Wow. That is amazing. I, You know, that full accountability is huge. I always say this. When you take, when you start taking accountability, your suffering stops. Mm-hmm. So for my, in my story, I used to blame my dad for my alcoholism and some other reasons too. And my, and and, and my dad didn't do anything wrong. I just wanted someone to blame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, in my mind, that's what I would do. I, I was pointing fingers everywhere but myself. And it wasn't until my mentor back in the day slapped me upside the head and says, "It's it's not his fault. It's yours." Mm-hmm. And boy, I'll tell you, that was the wake-up call I needed because that's when my suffering started to stop Mm -hmm. is when I started taking accountability, and I really love that.
1: Yeah, Do you agree with that? Accountability is so important. And let me just share with you a, a, a scenario. It's fascinating in this country, right, especially today. If you are a hard, hard worker and you get up every day and you're at work early and you stay late and you work hard and you have a good attitude and you rise above all the rest, what do you get in return? Oh. Compensation oh. raises? Uh, promotions. What are those called? Those are consequences. Consequences. We don't never we, we, we want to accept consequences for good behavior, but aren't willing to accept consequences for bad behavior. I don't understand that train of thought. Yeah. That is completely preposterous to me, and it's hip, hypocrisy uh, to the 10th degree that we want to work hard for things and we expect good things as a result of it. Those are consequences to good behavior. Yeah. Why can't there be consequences to bad behavior? Why are we so against it today in this country to stop giving consequences for people who are making decisions that they know are wrong?
0: Yeah, I don't get that either.
1: There's no incentive to change anymore. Yeah. And we have to ask ourselves, if the problem, and I, and I pose this question to anybody listening, is... If the problem in this country is getting worse, not better, why? If the mode by which we're trying to help people isn't working and the problem's getting worse, we have to look at what we're doing to help people. Yeah. We need to change something. We need to change things. I believe the model's broken.
0: Yeah. I agree. So what would we need to do, do you think, in your mind, to change the model?
1: Well, you know, we've gotten to a point now in this country, the pendulum swung way to the left, and we don't think we should incarcerate anybody, and people always say, well, Dave, we can't incarcerate our way out of this problem. You're right, we can't, but we can put the criminals in jail or prison where they belong, where they're asking to go. That's where we're asking to go. Now, the way I can make it make sense is if I have $10 million in the bank, Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting comfortably ensconced, in the confines of my own sanctum sanctorum and I'm slamming dope or smoking dope all day long and I'm not hurting anybody but myself, leave me alone. Not what you can do until I ask for help. Right. But if I'm a drug addict and I'm out there breaking into people's homes while they're there and terrorizing them, stealing their guns and then getting away and using them in the commission of a crime so that I can get high, if I break into your car, Todd, and you forgot your wallet in there and I snatch that wallet up and I go run your stuff and I destroy your credit, create new IDs and new credit cards and ruin everything you've worked so hard for, lock the criminal up. The right. problem is we're going, oh, but you can't. He's a drug addict. Wrong. He's a criminal first, then a drug addict. Right. Because yep. if I had all kinds of money, right, I'd be doing yeah. it, you know, anyway. You yeah. you get it. But when we start holding people accountable and not make excuses for the decisions they're making We can influence change. When we make excuses, the incentive is no longer there to change. We have people right now in our own state, in our own state. We have a guy that just killed his girlfriend and got four years probation. I can send you the article right now. Four years probation. It's the second person he's killed and didn't go to prison for it. Now, I know there's circumstances to the case I probably don't know, but let me tell you something. We're getting away from accountability. My average student's been arrested 25 times. The vast majority have never been to prison. Every time they get arrested, right, and they know Um, they're going to be in jail for a couple of days, and they get out, oh, you're on pre-trial release, just call in every day. You're talking about a drug addict. They're not calling in every day. They're going right back to the drug dealers to pick up. Now, what happens when they pick up and they OD that day, but they would have been alive had they been held in jail? Exactly. I don't know. You want to know the other problem? Yeah. So many of the people that are trying to help this population don't have an iota don't have any idea who we are you have academics people who go to college get a degree and social work but have never been a drug addict never lived a day on the street never been to jail never been to prison what the hell do you know about us right yeah yeah can i use that language yeah oh absolutely i can i can go back and take that back what the heck do you know about us <laughs> <laughs> No you're just being real and I appreciate that so much but and yeah, I'm not saying a, there isn't a place for therapists and doctors because there well is. there is
0: and, and you're right and I think the majority uh you know it runs into that and you know we've we've got some amazing therapists that I work mm-hmm. with here that uh, I'll tell you they're they're a lot like you in the sense that they ain't afraid to call people out mm-hmm. call them to the carpet mm-hmm. speak the truth to them make mm-hmm. them uncomfortable yeah as you would say give them a haircut mm-hmm. right <laughs> So I'm fortunate to work with some people here that are willing to be like that yeah, because it really important. does make a difference. Yeah, it's not that we're being mean, like you said. It's like no, if you do you want to hear the? I always say this: Do you want me to be nice or honest?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they're like, "Well, be honest." And I say, "Well, honest isn't always nice." Yeah. So are you willing to hear the the honest truth? It may not yeah. feel nice. Yeah. Or I can just be nice. Yeah. Right. And nothing's going to change. But everyone always says, "Okay, please be honest." Okay, then great. Then then welcome the feedback. I think you said feedback's yeah. your best friend,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to mention that earlier. That, you know, if if the, if a human being whose life is broken by their own decisions, like mine was, wants to change, but doesn't want to take feedback, you'll never change. Yeah. Feedback, as difficult as it was to hear at times had to become my best friend. When I embraced feedback, when I embraced it, when I embraced the uncomfort of it, I started to change. Yeah. As long as I push back, and I minimize, and I make excuses, and I lie, and I don't want to hear feedback, then really, what is there to change if the feedback isn't true about how people perceive me and what I'm doing?
0: Yeah, wow, exactly, well, Um, shifting gears just a little bit, if, if people who are listening to you right now don't know what the Other Side Academy is, will you just, you know, briefly tell us what, what it is and, and what you guys are doing to help have that whole person change? Yeah.
1: So the Other Side Academy is a minimum two and a half year life skills training academy. Um, it's the same population that you would see going to treatment facilities, drug addicts, people Mm -hmm. who are justice involved, Yeah. but we require a minimum two and a half year commitment. Are you ready for this? It's free. We don't charge anybody anything to be there. And we take no money from the government, so they can't screw it up. We don't take any money from the city, the county, the state, the federal government, rich mommy and daddy, Medicaid, nothing. If the government knew how to solve this problem, we wouldn't be knee-deep in it. The government has no idea how to solve the problem. It's not their problem to solve, it's ours. They actually need to get out of the way and allow it. So anyway, The Other Side Academy is two and a half years long, completely free, take no money from the government. We have our own social enterprises that generate the revenue. We have a moving company, world-renowned, at least country-renowned, right? Yes. Number, It's best uh, number one-rated moving company in the entire state of Utah. Yeah. A couple large thrift boutiques, construction company, storage. Those are the social enterprises that generate the revenue. The reason why that's important is the minute the student gets there, no money from mom and dad, no money from Medicaid, no money from government. We generate our own revenue through our social enterprises. So the day you get there, you become part of the solution, no longer part of the problem. Another reason why that's important. Todd, when I was going to jail, who was paying for me? Taxpayers. Taxpayers. When I was going to prison, who was paying for me? Taxpayers. Taxpayers. When I was going to a program that I couldn't pay for, somebody else was paying for me. I was a burden. Now, again, there are people out there going, oh, but they need... No, I was a burden. I was making decisions that were unhealthy, and that were bad for me, and I was asking other people to pay my rent in jail, to feed me in jail, to pay my rent in prison, to feed me in prison, to take care of my medical needs in prison. The taxpayer had to pay for it. I was exploiting the taxpayers. So at the Other Side Academy, we're going to generate our own revenue. I broke my life. I should be responsible for fixing it. Man.
0: You know, I love the Other Side Academy. I've been fortunate enough to speak there, I think, like seven times now. And every time I go there, I walk away there feeling like I'm a better person Mm -hmm. just because of the atmosphere there, the way you guys run things, the respect that you guys expect to, you know, that you show other people. There's a lot of principles that you teach. Matter of fact, interesting. There they are. Let me just go through them really quickly. Uh, Here's the principles that they live by at the Other Side Academy. You alone can do it, but you can't do it alone. Um, Make and keep promises. Self-reliance, there is no free lunch, like you've been talking Mm -hmm. about. Impeccable honesty, act as if, embrace humility, each one teach one, I love that one. 200% accountability, which means you're 100% accountability for you and for the guy next to you. That's 200%. Forgiveness, boundaries, and you guys are faith friendly, you take pride in your work, and it's all on the foundation of love. Boom.
1: How's that? It is an absolutely perfect place Ran by imperfect people. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the yeah. best way I could sum it up.
0: Well, in and as hard as it can be there, as tough as it can be. Yeah. Um, when I say Dave's giving someone a haircut, it means he's blasting them in the sense of he's telling them the brutal, honest truth about their behaviors and what they're doing, and it doesn't feel good. Right, is that accurate? Yeah.
1: you know I had a, I have a, an incident in the last couple of days where some of our newer students, about a dozen of them, were filthy dirty. And what I mean by that is not drug dirty, we haven't had any drugs in our facility in the seven years we've been Which is amazing. But amazing. they were having inappropriate conversations, they were talking about jail, they were talking about prison, they were talking about the girls, who the cute ones were, who the ugly ones were. They were sticking stickers on the walls, they were stealing socks, they were stealing pants they're clean and they're sober. Allow me to repeat what I just said. They're clean and sober. We ask you not to talk about your past, don't talk about girls, don't talk about jail, don't talk about prison, don't talk about drugs, don't steal. All that stuff that normal, good, decent human beings don't do. So it took me a couple days to unravel the whole caper. You can imagine when we brought them into the quorum to have conversations. These are 35, 40-year-olds who've been in and out of jail and prison their whole life. If all I told them was, oh, Jimmy, right. it's okay, you have a disease, it's not your fault, your yeah. stealing is okay, we're going to ask you not to do that anymore, okay? We already asked them not to do it in their interview. Right. We already told them the rules and made them sign all the rules that they said they understood and they did it anyway. So you can imagine the vocabulary or at least the... <laughs> tenor of the conversation might have gone up a couple octaves because these are people that don't hear it any other way and again there are people going oh that's just not how you do it yeah i know everybody else's way is working so well right right (laughs) so a haircut is a verbal reprimand delivered in a way and if you know your students in a way that's going to impact them the most sometimes it's just a conversation like this todd the person comes in and they go you know what you're right I have been a thief, I've been stealing from here, I've been talking about the girls, you guys asked me not to do it, I've said some very nasty and mean things, I stole some socks when nobody was looking, I stuck stuff to the property on the wall, I did all kinds of things, I did those things, I apologize, what are my consequences and how do I fix it? Man, are we onto something. Yeah. Then there are others that I don't care, I don't want, you know what I mean, you could just imagine the kind of behavior. Oh, I can imagine. So anyway, to, to your point, <laughs> a verbal haircut, is nothing more than a reprimand yeah. or a conversation delivered in a way that they're going to hear and feel. They absolutely have to feel it in order for them to understand what they need to change.
0: Yeah. Do you feel this? Yeah. Do you it's almost like, hey, you have this opportunity to change your life and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the truth here mm-hmm. so you can continue hopefully staying here and doing something different. Yeah. Wow. I love it. Each one teach one. What does that mean?
1: The minute you get there, um, the minute you get there, you've been there for a couple days, new guy comes in, they're attached to you, you're going to show them where everything's at, you're going to tell them the do's and the don'ts, no matter what department you're in, everything you've learned about you, each one, teach one. I teach the younger students, the younger students teach the students underneath them, you can't keep it if you don't give it away. If I've gone through some hard times and now I know how to be honest, I'm gonna impart that on my on my peers. If I know how to be accountable now, accountable now. When I've done something, I don't have to be asked, hey Dave, listen, yesterday I was in the room, girl walked by, I winked at her. I don't have to ask you about it. You're accountable to your own behaviors. When you learn to be accountable, you stop doing those things. Yeah. When you learn to have integrity, you stop doing those things. Yeah. So it's all of that stuff. Yeah, love it. You know,
0: So many great principles. So what, what does a day look like for you? Like, I mean, outside of even the other side of the I know that's your life. You go, you do speaking events for him all over the country. You, you're involved with, uh, with the state legislature and, uh, you know, the, the governor. I mean, you, people are, you're being pulled in so many different directions, but what does Dave do in a day? Like, what do you do for you and how do you keep yourself like on top of things? Mm-hmm. And I mean, you, you're a confident guy. You're a good guy. You're. What do you do to maintain the, these whole person principles that you've learned? How do you maintain them? What do you do?
1: You know, I think I—I I, I don't think I was born with a moderator. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> when I when I believe right. in something, and I yeah. and I and I when I take a bite out of something, I, I don't let go. And really, what I do, I absolutely love what I do. I'm in my office by 5.30 every mm-hmm. morning. I'm not there because I have to be. I'm there because I want to be. Yeah. And people and my students are my life now. It's like raising kids. Yeah. When you have three or four kids, man, it consumes your life. There's never a time really when you turn it off. Occasionally you get a babysitter so you can go out. Right. I do that, I, yeah. I ride motorcycles, I go around the country a couple times a year watching football games with yes. my friends, right? You're, you love those yeah, football I, games. I'm, yeah. I've been to probably 15 or 20 different stadiums now and love I really it. enjoy sports. I don't get to, to watch it as often as I'd like. Uh, I spend time with my wife, not enough time If you ask her, and she's right. Right. Um, Because this is all consuming. And when you have five or six kids, you really are consumed. Well, I live on property, so does the rest of my staff. So these are our kids, and we're raising them through the process. Right. So, you know, those things really fuel and feed my soul. Having friends like you, Todd, doing this feeds my soul. So, a lot of what I do is this kind of stuff. I just want to know when I get up in the morning that I'm going to make a difference today. Yeah. I know when I get up in the morning, I'm going to add value to somebody's life or somebody's, yeah. right, uh, plural's life. Yeah. I want to go to bed at night tired knowing that I'm tired because I made a difference, because I put the work in, I took the phone call, I made the additional phone calls, I brought students in, I had the heart-to-heart conversations, I did a podcast with Todd, my friend, yeah. to try to make a difference. I, sure. you know, on the way home, made phone calls right to other people who needed help. I just want to go to bed at night knowing that I made a difference today.
0: Wow! Did you hear that, everybody? That's how we should live. Did you make a difference in someone's Mm -hmm. life today? Mm -hmm. And 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 by the way, he's not just saying this. I've known you long enough to know that is you. Mm -hmm. That's how you live your life, and it's it's inspiring to watch. Like truly, I, I watch you from a distance even and go, dude, that guy, he's he's amazing, and I need to be more like him. Every time you come speak here. I take away two or three things that and I've heard your story a lot yeah. but I always take one or two things out of there that just go wow I need to be better at this I need to be better with my family I need to be better over here you know so I just want you to know like the impact you've had on my life yeah, thank and you, and you guys who are listening to him right now you can you can hear it in his voice I mean he carries himself big man he, he commands the room and I'll tell you he, he he's an influence for good and I'm grateful that I'm on your side. No, thank you, Do You know what I mean?
1: You know, I, I think it this way. I I spent a lot of time living in a in purgatory, and I put 110% of my time and energy into something that paid no dividends. Yeah. Um, I spent, I think I said it on my TED Talk, that I spent the first half of my life helping people die. And I promised myself many years ago that I'd spend the rest of it helping them live. I'm going to keep that promise. Yeah. It might not always feel that way, and some people yeah. may disagree with the modalities and the methods, and that's okay, they can. But we're very, very effective, and it—you know—it yeah. works. It works for me, and I know it works for others. It won't work for everybody, yeah. but I will try, yeah. and I will make adjustments, and I will innovate, and I will take feedback, and I will do the best I can to be as effective as I can.
0: Wow, love it. If there's someone listening to your voice right now who's in a dark place, they're struggling. They're—they're they're caught in that. You know, uh, they're lying, they're manipulating, they're cheating, they're stealing, they're, and they feel trapped. What advice could you give them, and then what would be the best way for them to reach out to you?
1: Uh, the best advice I could get is, give is ask for help. Ask for help. None of us can do this by ourselves. And reach out to me at Dave at com. It's my email, Dave at com. You email me, I will answer you. Yeah. If you email me and we start a conversation, I will give you my phone number. We will talk anytime during the day. Yeah. If you're in a bad place and you want help, let's talk about what it's going to take. Is it the Other Side Academy? I don't know. Is it Wasatch Recovery? I don't know. But I will help you find the path to get you to a better place. Right. You have my word.
0: There you go, guys. You got his word. Well, I could honestly talk to you all day. Seriously. Thank you for taking time. I know you're busy. You've got a lot going on. You're raced up here. So (laughs) you're out doing good things like, right, you're making an impact and you've made an impact on me today. Mm -hmm. So if you really want to know if you made an impact on anyone today, you did for me. And I guarantee you, we could also add the listeners listening to this right now. And I want to challenge the listeners right now. If you know someone who's struggling and you're not sure how to talk to them or bring up the Conversation. Send them a link to this episode hmm. and have them listen to Dave. And when they're done with it, you you follow back up with them and ask them what do they think, right? And then reach out, have them reach out to Dave in that moment. And there you go. They, this will help you break that ice for you good know morning. if you if you don't feel comfortable doing it. Yep. So do it, please. Please. Yes, please. Well, dude, you're you're amazing. Thank you for being here. Uh, yeah, thanks for welcome. being my friend. you And thanks for all the good you're doing.
1: Thank you, Todd. I love you, brother.
0: Love you too, man. And I love all of you who are listening. Thank you for tuning in week after week. I think we're ranked now in the top 100 in mental health. That blows my mind. Thank you. It's because of you guys, and it's because of the amazing guests and people like Dave who come on the show, and they share their lives with us, and they're vulnerable, and, and they don't hold back, and it's just awesome. So I love you guys. Keep sharing. And until next time, take care.